Well, good morning, everybody. Ed Kelly with you. And uh, this is Coffee with the Plant Experts, live from Prairie Gardens, along with our experts, Steve Brown, Marianne Metz, John Weisgarber. Good morning, everybody. Edward, good morning. Yeah. Well, I, I saw the forecast, and it's 95, apparently, for today. Um, is that all? Bring it on. <laughs> yeah, well, my experience with 95 is that that means some of my tomatoes are going to explode. Um, I just, uh, you know, I'd water them and then you'd get a day with 95 and some of them are, the skins are just going to slit open. Um, is that because too much water or that happens because it's 95? Well, it's always happened when it's been very warm, um, or hot. Ed, usually it's because people are inconsistently watering. You know, sometimes you'll, you'll let, oh, Sometimes they'll let a, Marianne, a, a I am tomato not dry. An inconsistent waterer. <laughs> oh, he, he overwaters me. and underwaters regularly. Right away. <laughs> Go I ahead, said Sorry. it probably happens usually because of inconsistent watering. Usually, uh-huh. I didn't say you. You probably had some magic touch, but sensitive. you know, <laughs> we'll let we'll let a tomato plant dry out completely. I, you know, you've seen the wilted leaves on hot days, oh, and yeah. then and then just load it up with water, and then let it dry out again, then load it up with water instead of just consistently watering it some every day. It's usually a yeah. I think indicator. it's more of that where it just happens so quickly it can't do anything and it just has to release. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the skin breaks like that. So, mm-hmm. and that's also. You know, with that inconsistent water, and you also get that blossom end rot. Yes. A brown spot on the bottom of the tomato. Yes. And it's really probably more associated with that, actually, than with a calcium deficiency, but you see it attributed to both. Okay. So that's why tomato plants mulched in very heavily to moderate the soil temperatures, but to really keep that moisture a little bit more even keel yep. and not feast and famine. Even if you're growing in a container, in a pot, I always mulch in my pots, especially if I'm doing veggies, and I always do a tomato or two, and and load it up with mulch. It makes In containers, it makes a huge difference. Unbelievable. Oh, huge. Can dry if you're going to be gone for a few days, if, yeah. you, if you mulch in your pots or containers, you have a much better chance of getting through Absolutely. that time of being gone. Mm-hmm. And then I had some customers yesterday, speaking of tomatoes, that came in and uh, they brought me a sample of several and, and they're like, we've never had this happen before. What's wrong? Uh, basically, they were Inconsistent bites with water? from squirrels. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you know how a squirrel goes to, the, goes to the tomato, <laughs> you know, the best one just ready. And then it's all of a sudden, oop, there's a, there's a chunk out of it. Yeah. And there's another moisture thing, too. Yeah, because they're thirsty. They're after, yeah, they're, they're yeah. after moisture. But yeah. I'm sorry, it makes me think of the Bugs Bunny com- uh, cartoons where throws down the gauntlet, this means war. Yeah. yeah. I'm telling yeah. you, those squirrels. <laughs> yep, we got the hot pepper wax and the, yep. the shake-away yep. repellent. So. Yep. Hopefully that helps. Yep. I, you know, uh, John, uh, just picking up on that, I, I do think they help, but a thirsty yeah, but squirrel is yeah. is really hard to deter from when he knows that the, there's a lot of moisture in that uh, tomato. But anyway, uh, so the tomato crop for the year seems to be going well. I mean, I think it's a little bit slow for everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah I think it's you know, I think there's a lot of green ones out there on the vine, but I think the full size ripe ones are. You know, they've been coming on for a couple of weeks now for some people, but I don't think it's been like, I haven't heard of anybody who's like, ah, more tomatoes. Oh, I'm sick of them. Yeah. I've not heard that. I'm not heard that. Later. No. <laughs> All right. All right. I had a ripe tomato before the 4th of July. Nobody's called about that. Well, well. <laughs> but you worked it in. <laughs> you did? 
I had a, I had a, I had a couple, but they were, you know, they weren't the cherries. They were a full size tomato, but they weren't really large, huge samples, if oh, you will. Okay. But they were. I had a couple. But well, congratulations. I, I'm not janted in the streets about that one. Okay. I, I, it's a very slow the last couple weeks. I thought I would have had a little bit more ripening by now. Yeah, considering well, except we had such a slow beginning of the season, you'd think it'd be hot and heavy right now, but it isn't. No. Well, yeah, because everything kind of sat there waiting. Yeah. Waiting, waiting till it got a little bit warmer, and then and then it got warmer. To grow. <laughs> Plants look good. You know, the yeah. the cherry types are are doing pretty good. They're not like uh, I'm sick of those by any means. Uh, just kind of beginning that season, if you will. Well, when you do get sick of them, you just bring them in. Okay? I know it. Okay. <laughs> I know it. Uh, cucumbers are crazy right willing. now. Yeah. My neighbor's very willing to help me with any surplus. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the way to go. Uh, you know, but I'd say people are getting good luck with uh, cucumbers and zucchini and, mm-hmm. you know, some of the early summer squash type stuff is, is doing really well. Uh, obviously, the melons and things like that, they're going to be later on or coming on, but not as much disease this year as last year because we haven't had uh, some of the conditions, but it seems like the powdery mildew and some of the other creeping cruds are out there. Yep, they are, definitely. Mm-hmm. Three five six nine three nine seven. This is Coffee with the Plant Experts live from Berry Gardens. Give us a call three five six nine three nine seven. Ed, I just saw one of our people that was watering outside run it run inside. So I'm guessing it just started raining. It's, it's oh. just pouring. <laughs> it just started. Oh yeah, I with, can see it now. If you have ninety five and and uh, rain and then the sun comes out, you might as well be in Miami or Tampa. Well, see that <laughs> happened yesterday. You know, we had. It wasn't a, a terrific rain. It was about three minutes. I mean, that's that's long for considering what we've been having. Mm-hmm. But then the sun came out, and boy, the steam was Steamy. rolling, rolling off of the off of the right. pavements. Yep. It was crazy. All right. Uh, well, let's get down to uh, some listener questions again. Three five six nine three nine seven. If you'd like to join the conversation this morning, I can hear the rain in the background. I think. Can you? Yeah, you probably. Well, let's can. hope that's the rain. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Might be. We might be by the fountains. This is um, <laughs> a question about uh, ornamental grasses, um, and the listener writes: "I found uh, fountain grass best for its color. Likes that best for its color." Um, uh, the question was: uh, the first question was, is that reliably hardy in Zone Five? If you've not grown ornamental grasses, these are the taller grasses, two feet and up. Uh, some are hardy, some aren't, and they're they're beautiful. Uh, what about fountain grass, guys? Is that is that hardy? Absolutely. I, I mean, I love fountain grass. Well, you have to be careful because the the common name fountain grass applies to. I've heard it applied to several different ornamental grasses, and even uh, Penicetum rubrum. Which okay. is not not a perennial; it's an annual. That's the purple. It's in fact, it's called purple fountain grass. Well, yeah, you're right about that. That's true. And and it's not a perennial. It does not come back every year, here. Okay. So, but other other things that are attributed have the other common name fountain grass are, if it's green, it probably is. Okay. That's a good scenario. That's a good rule of thumb. Yeah. If it's fountain grass is green, it's probably yeah. perennial. Yep. Mm-hmm. Hey, Gail. Good morning. Hi. Hi. I have a question about a uh, hardy hibiscus. I have one that's probably in its fourth season. It's been beautiful and perfect and wonderful up until now. But this season, uh, in the very beginning, it when it came up, it looked healthy in most of the areas of the plant. But there were a few like wilted-looking areas 
very few, but a few. And um, now, uh, it's about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago, it started having all kinds of yellow leaves. And so that was in the interior of the plant. And I did a little research and on the Internet and <clears throat> decided it was probably not enough water. It made a point of saying in hot, really windy conditions, it might need to be watered twice a day. So I have been diligent about watering it twice a day, and it just looks worse and worse and worse. It's now splayed open. It's not. There's nothing in the middle, and it hasn't lost any more leaves, but it hasn't grown any back in those areas. But just the outer area now is just all wilted looking. I think it's dying. Do you have any thoughts? I honestly, I didn't hear the the kind of plant you were talking about. Hardy hibiscus. Hardy, hi- oh, oh, hardy hibiscus. Great. Okay. <coughs> I, I I can't imagine that um, when the leaves drop off um, in the yellowing process, which I've seen and and can attribute to um, hot dry weather and people not remembering to water in even an established plant, you sometimes just have to do supplemental watering. And that's usually what happens. Um, well, and I was doing supplemental watering even then, but once I read that it needed maybe twice a day in hot dry, I uh-huh. stepped it up even more, and uh, it, it stopped the yellow leaves falling off. Good, uh, but the whole plant is just looking bad. Although there's big blooms on the ends, you know, the buds that were set are blooming, and there's some big blooms, but it's the whole thing is splayed kind of open, and if it in between the two waterings a day, it gets droopy looking, and then you water it, and it sort of perks up, but it just does not look good. How much sun does it get? Full sun. Yeah, I, I'm wondering if it's just as having a hard time keeping up with that environment. So it's a plant that does want full sun, but it would probably be best performing if it had full morning sun, if you will, and then an afternoon a break from the afternoon hot, intense sun when it's yeah, just perhaps. like when it's like this. So. At this point in time, I wouldn't certainly give up on it or throw in the towel. No. No. Uh, I would probably continue to field, feed, feed it mildly, if you will. I wouldn't jolt it too much, but I would go ahead and field it with a compost or a natural organic type fertilizer that's going to be slow release. Uh, take care of it the rest of this summer, fall. Um, to me, it, it wouldn't last long on my radar if I had to water it twice a day. Well, summer. and... I never have watered it that much, and it's never shown the leaf dropping. Is there something particularly unusual about this summer? I know it's hot, but all summers have hot spells. I don't know. It just seems like after having been a very low-maintenance, high-performing plant, I've got the opposite this year. How well do you have it mulched in? It's mulched quite quite well. Good. Is there any disease or insect that could be part of this? Well, I wondered if there's anything that eats the roots, because it kind of has that feeling like no matter how much I water it, it just can't seem to... Mm. Uh, Apart from from Japanese beetles, I don't know anything that particularly attacks those. But uh, considering the root issue, um, voles and moles... I see no signs of those, but... um, that, That would be my consideration when the whole plant is exhibiting that kind of behavior to just like you said that just seems logical that it's a a, a a root system yeah yeah issue yeah <clears throat> well, i don't know any disease that particularly affects 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 these guys in fact they're they're incredibly hardy 
Yeah, and it has been just a beautiful plant. Well, okay. Let, let me I, ask you this at this point, John and Marianne. <clears throat> it's, it's a little bit late, but would you guys consider even whacking it back? To save energy? And seeing if you could stimulate some, some new growth, maybe fill in a little bit in the areas that, are, that haven't. Um, I realize if that, I did that, I'm, a, I'm not opposed to that, but if I did that, I would just have stalks with no leaves on it because there's no leaves <laughs> on the lower part of the stalk. Well, I, I think given the watering that you're willing to do, I think you'd regenerate new growth and, and fill in. And I would I would be tempted to do that. I mean, maybe there's a little bit of risk, but I don't think there's that much risk in doing it. And I wouldn't probably bother doing it if it was a month or six weeks from now. But right now I'm sitting there thinking, and I'm not going to worry about trying to get new flowers necessarily. I'm just trying to get some new growth to flush out to see if if I can be happy with the appearance of this thing in terms of fullness and whatnot. It might influence uh-huh. my thinking down the road as to if I'm happy with the landscape value or not, not having to wait till next summer to find out. Uh-huh. You know, and, and, and evaluate if it's, if it's actually a, a focal point, if it's out on its own. It and, absolutely is. It's a perfect. Okay, so, so yeah, so that's where I, I think I would agree with Steve about that. Uh, if it, if it were in amongst other, other perennials, uh, I wouldn't so worry about yeah. it as much as if it were, as a you have it as point. a focal point. Yeah. So, so yeah, I think, uh, to relieve the stress of it trying to keep up it's trying to it's trying to flower and keep those going and then it's also trying to keep its leaves where it's can't keep up so i think uh that might be a consideration so if i whack it back to where there really are no leaves it'll still uh send out new growth you think i think there's a really good chance can't say it for sure but i think there's a really good chance okay and how how long should those should i leave the stock 18 inches or something like that? Or how, tall, how tall is a plant now? Oh, probably three and a half feet. Yeah, I think about 18 is probably about pretty half, good. Yeah. That sounds about right. Okay. All right. I'll give that a try. And low fertilizer, you said. Just something that's slow release. Just you like know, compost, it could be a compost or, or a, a natural or organic one that's going to just be a gentle feeding and not just a jolt right. to the system. Okay. Okay. All right, I'll give it a try. Thank you. And with the, Thanks, with the mulch, nice too, to to you. Gail, I'd, I'd make sure it's pretty thick, but, again, right at the very base of the plant, maybe have it just a, a, a token ornamental, but as you move away from the plant inches away, then I would ramp it up and have it thicker, something like that. So okay. it's really doing a good job on the entire root system, but maybe not piled up excessively okay. at the base, yeah. if you will. Yep. Does it give you any thoughts at the very beginning when it came out it looked healthy and wonderful like it always does but there were about maybe four canes or stalks whatever you call them and on the ends of those they were just a little bit curled and and not quite healthy looking no bug was involved and curled them and i mean and they weren't that curled just curled on the edges um and but the rest of the plant 85 percent maybe 90 percent of the plant looked great and then when the hot dry windy weather started then the rest of the plant just kind of succumbed yeah yeah in the back of my head you wonder if there's some sort of virus or soil-borne fungus or something that is affecting it i don't know it just it appears to be a weak sister and stunted uh, to some extent and whacking it back is not going to help that i guess it's just another experiment to determine whether or not this thing is 
identifiable. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And if it were a soil-borne fungus, is there any treatment for that? Typically not. And would I not want to put another hardy hibiscus back in that spot if that were the case? Uh, I would. I personally would not. I would probably consider so something, something else. Somewhere else, yeah. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. Thanks, Gail. We uh, appreciate your call. Nice to talk to you this morning. You're listening to Coffee with the Plant Experts, live from Prairie Gardens, 356-9397, 356-9397. Before uh, Gail's call, we were talking about ornamental grasses. Um, in addition to the fountain grass, um, our listener writes, she also likes the Japanese blood grass, uh, and is that hardy in Zone 5? Sure is. It definitely okay. is. Okay. Once you got it, you always got it. All right. It's, it's an aggressive grower, Ed. It runs a little it's bit, a, Ed, yeah, so you kind of have to decide. You see that little one-gallon pot, and you think, oh, this is nice. It's got yeah. some color and whatever. But it quickly becomes a bed unto its own. Okay. So you ha- have to make sure you want it. Yeah. Okay. That's good, or or that's you have good the space know. for it, yeah. yeah. Okay. When you say it runs a little bit, what are we talking about here a little more specifically? I mean, how... How extensive is it going to get? As far as it wants. <laughs> yeah, I, I hate to use the word indefinitely, but for all practical purposes. There you go. Uh, okay, <clears throat> I know it's been a while since you've been here in, in Prairie Gardens, Ed, but we're sitting around this wonderful piece of uh, patio furniture here and have our chairs comfortably pulled back like we're enjoying a nice summer evening here, and we're probably oh. taking up about an 8 by 8 uh, square or circle, maybe a little square bit more circle. than that. Huh. 9 by 9. And if we planted one of those little fountain grasses... And came back in a few years, it would probably fill up the this entire whole, space. This whole space. Wow. Okay. Well, and it wouldn't look like one plant. It would just look like kind of a a bed, randomly somewhere thicker and somewhere thinner. not as thick. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, there's there was one more question about uh, uh, ornamental grasses, uh, and she said this was tufted hair grass with yellow or pink tufts and uh, some small flowers. I looked that up, and it's something like uh, Deschampsia capitosa. That wasn't too bad, Ed. I'm I'm almost impressed. Yeah, (laughs) seriously. (laughs) You have to be careful. Um, Yes, I I looked it up just because I'd never heard of tufted hair grass. Then I also saw a picture, which was very beautiful. It is lovely. She she didn't ask this, but I'm sure she must have wanted to know, is it hardy in Zone 5? Yes. Okay. I'm surprised we don't hear more about that, I guess, because the if the picture I saw was, you know, accurate, that's a gorgeous plant. I mean, it, it doesn't... You know. It is gorgeous. It's not as tall as some of the ornamental grasses, and it seeds pretty well. Okay. Okay. Well, th- those that takes care of ornamental grasses, unless you have a question for the experts, 356-9397. Go ahead, Marianne. Ed, this is the time for ornamental grasses. I, they just look stunning right now. They're yeah. all begin, get, beginning to send out their inflorescence or that the, the plume, as a lot of people call it. Um, we have a panicum. Is it Dallas blue? Mm-hmm. That blues that look so nice right now. Oh, my gosh. It's just gorgeous. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I love panicums. And they're indigenous to the Midwest, so I, 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 like, I like people knowing that. The, it's it's really it's always been interesting to me the the grasses well the ornamental grasses most of them don't bloom, but they it's they're the shape of the stalks the just the, sometimes the color or some combination of that 
I think you get a lot of bang for your buck with those. Um, well, well, you do. Well, and just one of my favorites is the miscanthus. Oh, uh, miscanthus are lovely. Morning light. But before we go any further, let me let me make just a small correction. I'm, I'm not like scolding you or anything, Ed. But yes, flo- the the grasses all do bloom. That the inflorescence or the plume is their flower. Hmm. Okay. I, I obviously didn't know that, so that's good. <laughs> just um, saying. So, Johnny, what do you like about morning light? I like the way the the light reflects off of it because it's got a subtle in the morning. Well, yeah, ah. in the morning. Well, and it, it also right? it comes up in that, and it's really graceful. It comes up and and splays out at the top. And it is lovely. The wind it sways in the wind. The one I like a little bit better. They're both miscanthus, but miscanthus sinensis gracilimus is probably my favorite. You know, it's the ah. one with. The, <laughs> it's the one with the more <laughs> narrow blade. <laughs> Sounds like we just discovered where the drugs were stored or something. Ah. <laughs> Scanthus sinensis gracilimus. Ah. Okay, so, okay, whatever it is, it's, that, it's the one with the, the skinnier uh, leaf blade. And uh, honestly, it, it is just one of my favorites. I think it's so graceful. Well, and the, the gracefulness about them is, is a great attribute, but, but it's one that, uh, if you have a big wind situation or a big heavy rain, it's oh. not going to knock it down like Lay some flat. of the others. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. And that's why I like all those panicums, too, just for yes. more of an upright exactly. appearance. Well, if, you've, and if you've got space for it, the, the, the grasses are great. Uh, and even if you get an annual... Uh, you've prepared the soil, you rip it out, and you have you know you just put in something new. They're not that expensive, and they make a heck of a statement once they're yes, mature they a little bit. If you if you have the perennial type, we have a penicetum right now called redhead, and its inflorescence or plume or flower mm-hmm. is is um, almost purplish, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really pretty, really cool. And it's a All little right, bit well, more we, open and not as dense of a of a yeah. of a plume, yeah. It's kind of neat and airy. Well, we've we've talked about grasses, I guess, enough. Um, listeners, if you're interested in those, though, do come take a look. Uh, they are interesting and uh, they're very beautiful. Some of them, even in the winter with snow on them, they're they're very pretty. Oh yeah. Um, this three five six nine three nine seven is the number. This is a really interesting idea. This is a listener suggestion. Um, he did not plant anything in the area because of a basement window well. Uh, and, you know, that it wasn't as much of a garden as he wanted to see from this window. So he put one five-foot-long two-by-eight plank over the rim of the well and then added a bunch of flowering potted plants and then placed some additional plants around the edge, <coughs> excuse me, around the edge of the, uh, the window well. And uh, the plants are now easily visible from that first floor window. That's neat. Uh, it it real uh, because the, you're able to get the plant. You have a window there, and you're able to get the plant if you want it much closer to the window than you could actually probably it, if you didn't have the window well. Because and he can move the pots. So yeah. he was just suggesting this if you want, you know, some interesting color very close to your window. If it's a good chair where you sit or something. That would be one way to get it. Um, he didn't Absolutely. cover the whole window well because he didn't want to shut out the light totally from the basement. Um, and he's uh, what he said was the uh, the plants on the plank uh, flower, but he's not messing with overwintering. Uh, but he saw that as an advantage because then he could, you know, with each season he could have some other flower right at that window. 
Sure. Yeah, so that's the great advantage great. of container gardening. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and bringing it right so close to the house, um, you know, I think that's a good idea. Um, let's see, three five six nine three nine seven. Well, let me do this right now since I haven't found my next question. Uh, this this deals with whether you know if you know whether you're a garden nerd or not. Oh. Uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> and uh, so here, here are here's how you know: you buy plants you don't need because they were on sale. Well, uh, duh. I've definitely done that. Uh, you keep a small shovel in the trunk of your car. Who doesn't? Somebody pulling over <laughs> to the side of the road saying, "You know, it's public property, but it's out in the middle of nowhere. I'd like one of those, whatever it is." Uh, you visit your garden with a flashlight at night. And I you have dirty. <laughs> Go ahead. Th- 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 three for three so far, I think. Okay. Yeah, you have dirty cuticles. Four for four. Nobody jumped. In. Okay. And then finally, um, uh, you're grateful if on your anniversary someone gives you a load of manure dumped in your driveway. Ed, those uh, are also logical. I'm sorry, but you know. Yeah, <laughs> what's, what's the that's deal? <laughs> Okay. Right. And saying, he does love me. <laughs> he loves me after all. All right. Hey, Jim, good morning. Good morning. Hey. I uh, I might have made a huge mistake in a moment of weakness. I bought a great myrtle Uh-oh. at a big box store. Okay. Well, and if I you did that in Florida, you, you can't go wrong. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in Florida right now, though. Yeah, Okay. <laughs> Uh, did I just rip it out now and save myself the aggravation or enjoy the flowers right now? Absolutely. Enjoy the flowers. Yeah. And you know what? I considered a challenge to try to see if I could get it through the winter. It probably won't happen, but mulch it in, maybe protect it a little bit with burlap or something in the wintertime. Who knows? Yeah, it's, Jim, it's planted uh, closer mm-hmm. to Lake Mattoon. So okay. That's kind of on the border. Only to your advantage. Yeah, you're, yeah for you're, sure. you're, you're right on the edge of Zone Jim, 6. You, there is a variety of crepe myrtle, which I've planted uh, in Champagne, and it was um, cult- cultivared or whatever you want. What did you say, uh, Steve? I believe it was a, one of the Zumi, Zumi varieties. Yeah. We had a, a violet and we had a red. Red. A red, yeah. Lilac. A- and it, it uh, of course, is a dwarf form of the 20 footers that you that i see on a daily basis but i was going to plant that and make it go and it did fairly well uh despite being in a you know eastern side not enough sun and all that but it um, i'm sorry it's not zoomy it's philly violet philly and red see i believed you f-i-l-l-i is there any protection i could uh i'm sorry I, I think you should mulch it in heavily this winter with a shredded bark mulch. I would pile it up. The more, the merrier. The thicker, the better. As high as you're willing to go, as wide as you're willing to go. Once the plant becomes dormant, closer to Thanksgiving, and then I'd but I'd use something lighter weight like a bark, shredded bark, and then I'd pull it back next spring after we get the danger of uh, the winter over with. So sometime in April, I'd probably pull it back. Should I try burlap around the trunk? multi-stem uh, plant. You can. I think if you're lucky to get it to overwinter, you're still going to be probably not up and down the plant. I think you're going to be I, just... I wouldn't necessarily use the burlap around the trunk. I'd use it around the whole plant and use a right. mulch 
use mulch at the base and then burlap around the whole plant just to take the edge off of that wind. But I would see mulching it in maybe 18 inches tall. Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, three feet in diameter. Just, again, it's going to be if you want to mess with it. Exactly. But, yeah, you start getting further south, a little bit in the Mattoon-Effingham area, but it's still more microclimate at that point. You start getting a little bit further south, say St. Louis. You'll see them more common as far as shrub-type forms. But then you really almost have to get down into parts of Tennessee, Alabama, Georgia, certainly Florida, Six and seven, Texas, yeah. southern Oklahoma, where you see them as tree forms yes. where they truly overwinter. Right. right. Yeah. Okay, well, hope for the best. Thank you. Okay, right. you bet. Uh, nice to talk to you, Jim. And I thought somebody hit it right on the head there, you know, how hard you wanted to work at it to make it, that happen. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And sometimes some people love it so much. Ligrostromia uh, are so just beautiful, stunning trees. So <laughs> <laughs> Don't make fun of I'm me. I'm not making fun of you. you. You can just, I was talking about this with my wife last night. I can say the plant name, and I sound like a hillbilly. You say that same <laughs> name, and you sound like you're the ultimate worldwide gardener. They roll off her tongue really well. Seriously, what is your point? At any rate, in the south, they are beautiful, beautiful trees, and it makes you really, really have zone envy. Um, the flowers are just wonderful. They last forever. Do you grow them, Ed? I, I don't have room. Unfortunately, I have two That's oaks where I, where I would put them in a minute. Yeah. But... Uh, on the parkways down here, they use them. I mean, real thick. They're they're oh, yeah. and there's the the raspberry one is my favorite, but they come in a variety of colors, oh, and man. they thrive. They're yes. you know twenty footers, as yeah. uh, Steve was saying. It's, it's it looks more like a tree form. And, and then once you get past the flowers, their 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 bark is just wonderful, yep. absolutely beautiful. You know, I, I've I've said in the past that I'm really into the twelve seasons of of any plant and trees like that are, are precisely one of the issues it's just the the trunks are just really 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 pretty and the, as you said you. the blooms last it seems Forever. just all the whole season go ahead Absolutely. sorry just gonna ask marianne or john if they know on on the pruning for these tree forms of crepe myrtles i've seen some where they are more heavily pruned it seems like whether it happens every winter or not and i don't mean necessarily cut back in height as much as cut back in diameter so there's more of a main scaffolding or they'll cut the ends back two seemingly two three four feet i don't know Uh, i I, I, I mean i don't know anybody that grows them (laughs) yeah because because i can't grow it i don't i don't research about it i mean the plant seems to bloom on new growth it doesn't have to set wood over winter kind of thing it seems Uh to bloom on you know like most things do that flower in the summer they flower on that that current season's growth. Right. I I was in um, North North Carolina a, a year or so ago, and got to visit the Bartlett Tree Research Facility, uh-huh. and they had um, crepe myrtles. See, I used the right word. Crepe myrtles um, everywhere, and, and doing a lot of research on their vitality and diseases that affect them, and you know that kind of thing. Uh, it was really interesting, but I don't remember seeing any any literature about the pruning of them. So I, I don't know that that's a really big deal or not. And I'm if wondering they prune if it's them here, because I've it never pr- noticed it. I'm wondering because it, it blooms now or a little bit later that it, would it really matter what time you pruned it? Other than you know, would you would it do it? You know, that's when true. it's dormant late 
Well, in the and more I have seen it done, it seems to be more of a commercial setting or a public setting boulevard kind of thing where they have repetition in a, in a large number of these things sure. planted. And it seems that's where they're more apt to be cut back, if you will. Wouldn't it be cool as a street tree? Oh, my gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. yeah, I can. there's a, uh, a, a street I'm on frequently here, and it is miles long. And the center parkway is planted with, um, you know, crepe myrtle trees. It's really awesome. beautiful. Very spectacular. I'll bet, bet it is. Hey, Cheryl uh, in Rantoul. Good morning. Good morning. I'm one of those that uh, like to test limits. And I've got a crepe myrtle that I started from seed probably 13 years ago. Yay. And Good for it's you. maintained a shrub form ever since. That's fantastic. Exactly. Awesome. That is incredible. Oh, you're doing something right. <laughs> no so kidding. So I think the guy down around Lake Mattoon has got a real good shot. That's awesome. I, I hope his is the shrub form also because that has a better chance than the tree form. Yeah. Where do you have your sighted around your house? It's right close to the house on the south side. So it gets, during the winter, it gets the sun from the... The siding, the light siding. Sure. Uh-huh. And really protect, it is, I guess, protected. Sounds like it. Do you do anything special over the winter, like a, a heavy mulch or anything? We mulch it a little bit. Nothing, oh, maybe, I'm guessing maybe six inches. Okay. Yeah, that's serious mulch. Yeah. Does it, and we do does get it, a little die-off, but not the whole that, thing. That's what I was going to ask you. If, does it die down to that mulch line, or do you have branches? Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. It stays it's about probably it. a good, awesome. I'm looking, going to try to look here in the rain. <laughs> Yay. It's, it's uh, a good 12 foot tall. Wow. Holy wow. cow. Oh, man. Fabulous. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, and I'm going to guess it's a combination of absolutely everything. One, one thing, your green thumb. Number two, where it's sited and placed in the landscape there on the south side up near the foundation sounds almost perfect for it. It does. And and maybe even the fact that, you know, where the seed came from, you just have a particularly maybe. hardy individual plant or strain or whatever it might be. Um, and years, so ago, whenever, years ago, whenever I was on a, an Internet gardening site, I had read that uh, the cultivars with the... Indian names were more hardy than those without. Huh. That's interesting. I wonder uh, if they were older. Maybe that's just naive because they can name anything, anything. <laughs> but, well, like Steve right. was saying, though, it can, if it came from a particular strain or, you know, the genetics of each plant's going to be a little bit different. And somebody happened to notice that one particular plant had had a little more vigor to it in, in the cold. You know, you start taking cuttings from that plant, and, and that's where you get that that naming, first of all, in a particular line of plants. And that's maybe just a little more hardy. So it could, if it seeds from that kind of a strain, then yay. What flower color do you have? It's like a uh, magenta. Nice. Beautiful. Pretty, oh, oh, yeah. Man. Yep. And does it bloom all summer for you? Yes. Oh, fabulous. Oh, yes. That's, <laughs> that's so a gift. Cool. That's a <laughs> no gift. No kidding. Well, 12 feet tall, I I would be, sort of depends on how you want it to look at the landscape, I'd be tending tempted to limb it up and, and develop this tree look the that Mary Ann's talking yeah. about. 
I don't know. I don't, I don't know if <laughs> I can answer that myself. <laughs> a bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just thought I'd comment. Yeah. Oh, thanks for sharing. Thanks for that's just cool. showing us. She's got a good thing going. Nice to hear about success stories, and that yeah. certainly is one. It gives um, the rest of us hope. <laughs> well, yeah. And I think what she said about where she has it, uh, she's got the wind blocked pretty well. Um, which certainly uh, helps. It's it's a combination of a lot of things, you know. It's like, you know, it's just like Steve was saying, how much uh, trouble do you want to go to? Uh, like the hardy banana and how much you want to mess with it to get it to winter over. Just, you know, all those little things make a difference. Absolutely. Um, here's a question changing gears a little bit uh, concerning hanging baskets. And the listener writes, each season for years, um, uh, she's bought hanging baskets from Prairie Gardens and has now begun to reuse them okay. uh, yeah she and uh, she the question is how often does she need to change the growing medium because obviously these don't overwinter so she replants what she bought maybe sometimes repeating or not but uh, does she need to put in a fresh medium there every year because she's watering them of course and it's running out the bottom I don't know how much difference that makes but We've we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I we? think, I think certainly if it's a hanging basket, I would replace it every year, uh, because you're with all the watering that you do, you're you're depleting all the nutrients from the soil, so you're basically fertilizing it anyway. But uh, uh, depending on you know how many she has, uh, she could even just replace half of it and and reuse. But yeah, at the very least, I'd replace half of the medium and maybe add a little extra slow release fertilizer. Mm-hmm. Okay. She had a little subnote, which I thought was interesting, too. She said she never realized when she bought the hanging baskets that she'd get as much pleasure out of them. Oh, that's and awesome. Because if you're willing, uh, you can you can reuse them. She says she still buys a couple of new ones every year and is eventually going to run out of space for them. But uh, <laughs> I think the uh, key is just keeping cutting it back as much as you can. Yep. Yeah, and you know, just throughout the season, keep pinching, keep it fresh. It's it's hard to do that sometimes. I can't take that flower off, but sometimes it gets yep. leggy. You need to do it so it'll uh, flush out again. Yeah. All right, uh, coffee with the plant experts live from Prairie Gardens. Still time for a few calls three five six nine three nine seven. I have a winter question, but I I didn't want anybody to miss out on the yard sale. And maybe some other specials. I know there's a Heard It on the Radio special. Uh, Steve, can you uh, help me? I can. The, if you say you heard it on the radio till noon, so 50% off the sale price of any annual. And Whoa. the annuals are already marked down like 25 to 50% off. Yep. And now 50 off the sale price till noon, if you say you heard it on the radio. And then a couple really wonderful categories of perennials. A tremendous selection of heuchera, all of our heuchera. And you could even choose a heucarella, and we wouldn't fight you over it. Mm. Uh, and all of our hostas would be 50 off if you say you heard on the radio till noon. 50, 50% off, guys. Mm. Now's the I'm time. Well, as you mentioned, the annuals, you, you have months to go with annuals. I mean, oh, you, uh, do. Absolutely. you absolutely sure. You have months to go with perennials, a, too, Ed. Come well, on. Well, <laughs> that's, that's right. But, uh, but you and, know, anybody who might young, think, well, I don't want to buy an annual because it's going to go away. Well, it's not going away soon. Oh, that's so, true. Absolutely. Yeah. Hey, Ken, good morning. Morning. Um, I've got a hollyhock out front, and it got hit by the beagles pretty bad. Oh, yeah. On top, and I sprayed I got rid of the beagles, and the top leaves were really bad, so I cut them off. Is that 
leaves below it were okay. I, I don't think it's going to hurt a thing. Will it, done still will it still flower? Is it too late for that? It, probably probably not. not. It would be really, I think, a long shot if it bloomed again. But, but, but yeah, that probably hurt it too much then, huh? Then, yeah, yeah, I think looking at those ugly leaves, I just, it just reminds me of the, <laughs> just looking at the holy leaves reminds me of the Japanese beetles. It makes me angry. So mm-hmm. I always, I always remove damaged leaves too. Hey, what do you do with? Uh, I've had corn plants. You know, they're I'm not sure what they call them indoor, and the the tips of them like all die out and the leaf is green or you just leave cut that dead part off or you just or what do you do <laughs> that that's a dracaena they're great house plants dracaena mesangiana probably yeah uh just tips on some of the older growth or is it on yeah on yeah newer growth? Uh, it yeah. just it's like it's dead but the rest of the leaf is okay looks okay yeah, yeah i think I think it doesn't hurt it at all just to, to cut that part off. Just, and then yeah. eventually as as you keep getting new leaves, then yeah, you know. would just take the whole entire older leaf off. All right. I just think aesthetically it's it's more, it looks better. Better, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, Ken, thanks for your call this morning. Bye-bye. Uh, let me see if I can squeeze this winter question it is. And it's being asked now because he's wondering about planting. He read an uh, an article somewhere that said you can get some winter fragrance with a certain uh, cultivar of honeysuckle, witch hazel, and something called, and the the farmers among you, old garden clove currant. And the question was, is that true? And if so, which are hardy? I only know about one of them, and that's the hemamelis, the... uh uh, witch hazel, ah. which do flower in, in around here usually in February, mm-hmm. which and they're very fragrant. There is one the okay. uh, there That's is a fall bloom. There's a fall blooming um, autumnal, I think. Can't remember now. Anyway, there's a species that blooms in the fall, which isn't so common around here, but um, on the east coast it is. But it's supposed to be very fragrant too. But ours are really fragrant in the winter. Okay. That's, really different. Yeah, it's a very interesting blossom. Yeah. It's kind okay. of spidery. Yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. And different colors, oranges and yellows and reds. And that's the witch hazel. The witch hazel. But I don't know about the other two. I, I don't either. Okay. So, Steve, do you know about the other two? Well, you'd be talking about a winter honeysuckle. Yeah, winter that honeysuckle. and an old garden clove currant. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Clove currant sounds wonderful, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. I can... This, yeah, the fragrance sounds wonderful. But is it hardy in zone five? I don't know what it is. <laughs> so I don't know. Well, I'd okay. have to. I'd have so, to look it up. So, so out of that group, at least, witch hazel appears to maybe do the job. And they're hardy. Absolutely, they're a nice shrub. They can get to be a very big shrub. Um, some between eight and ten feet, maybe even bigger. Okay. So, it's and they're and they're lovely, all all season. Absolutely. All right, and, that's and I think the, the winter honeysuckle they're just talking about is the Lonicera fragrantissima. That's okay. Spe- that species. Is that <laughs> something that you, somebody could just walk in and buy it, or is it someone Not unusual? here. No, okay. No, and the reality is <clears throat> we don't sell too many honeysuckles. Right. I mean, most shrub forms are very large, and a lot of people don't want a 6 to 12-foot tall 8 to 12 foot wide 
yeah. shrub form that they have to maintain. We do sell quite a few honeysuckle vines, mm -hmm. which can be right. pretty aggressive too, but the flowers on some of the varieties that Marianne carries are just spectacular. I'm not sure what we've got left right now, but in the spring she'll carry three varieties or four varieties of honeysuckle vines with different flower colors. Five or six, actually. It, but, you know, talking about honeysuckles or Lonocera in general, didn't you just tell me, uh, John, that you were you were ripping wild honeysuckle out oh, of your yeah. the woods? There's yeah. a there's an Asian one that's just it's rampant quite invasive. everywhere. I, I believe on the invasive species list in the state of Illinois. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, you've been listening to Coffee with the Plant Experts this morning. Steve Brown, Marianne Metz, John Weisgarver, this is Ed Kelly. Uh, Cheryl, Ken, Gail, and Jim, thank you so much for being with us this morning. We'll see you next week right here on WDWS.